Hey, my name is Cameron Snyder, and I'm here to tell you about the moment that I encountered God's presence. Back when I first went to boot camp in the Marine Corps, um, Sundays were all you really had to look forward to. Uh, every night they would give you time to pray and stuff like that, but uh, I definitely really enjoyed that while I was in, in boot camp and stuff like that. That's the main thing that you really had to look forward to. So when I got out of boot camp, I did end up falling off the wagon and stuff like that, but I would say here three years later, I got out of the Marine Corps in December for a reason, and I ended up finding this church. And I feel like all of the people that I've encountered in the past couple of months have really planted seeds in me and helped water them. And then I feel like they've helped me get to the point that I've gotten to now. Recently, I got baptized and my experience with it was I wanted to take the next step towards the Christian lifestyle and I wanted to profess my faith to everybody that knows me and I wanted to show that I was willing to take the next steps. What I would say to somebody that is trying to find Jesus would probably be somewhere along the lines of what my boss told me. I was working with him one day and he asked me if I was a gambling man and I said, mm, no, not really, that doesn't, it's not really my cup of tea, you know? And he told me that that's one of the biggest gambles you could possibly take. And the day that God comes back, you'll be wishing that you did. Hello, I'm Brian Porter, and I came to know Christ through coming to the bridge. What started out as just a couple times, once or twice a month, turned into as much as I possibly could. And uh, it all started, I used to live a very worldly life, and then from coming from here and being with people that are completely invested in the Lord and have given themselves to it day in and day out versus the life that I was living, it just impacted me in a way that where I, I didn't want to be a part of that anymore. And I can't tell you how thankful I am for the people at the bridge. It, it's honestly because of them and walking through these doors in this church, coming every Sunday and every Tuesday, and I can't tell you how thankful I am for all of them. Baptism for me was uh, something that I didn't plan at all and wasn't really too excited about it when I first heard about it. But um, over prayers and thoughts and just letting it dwell on me, um, I realized that if I was gonna be a part of this lifestyle that I couldn't be, I couldn't have, I couldn't be still be a part of my old life. Before I was baptized, I used to be just so worried about the world and what was going on in it and just so anxious and so filled with so much anxiety and ever since uh, ever since I got baptized it's just I feel like the, the Lord is opening up the world for me and and, and things that I didn't even asked for he's he's providing things that I didn't even know I needed and it's just it, it's such a beautiful thing and I'm so grateful for him what I would say to someone that's trying to find Jesus is uh, walk into the body the the only reason I'm standing here today is I walked through those doors and surrounded myself around people that were, and were there for the right reasons and there for Christ.
I love the testimonies of lives changed. One of the things that stuck out to me is what I would tell to someone who is considering a relationship with Jesus to walk into the body. <laughs> Come on in. The door is open. I love that. Allow me to pray before we get into it. Lord, thank you for this day, for this opportunity that we have to talk about you, explore your word. May every mind in this place be engaged with the message. May every heart be soft to receive it. I ask you, God, somehow, some way, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, intervene in this moment and change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in this series called One Plan, and this is the last Sunday morning in this series. Of course, we have Christmas Eve coming up, and we'll be having a candlelight during that, a candlelight service. But today is the third sermon in the series, One Plan. To catch you up, the first sermon was titled, The Waiting, and it was based on this 400 years of silence that the children of Israel were experiencing before the birth of Jesus Christ. They all waited for lifetimes, generations, for the Messiah to come found themselves in this period of time where there was no prophet in Israel, there was no scripture being written, there were no miracles in the land, no manifestation really of God, which is what they had become accustomed or at least used to. They'd seen the word of the Lord ever present in their lives. The waiting was troubling because the last thing that God said was, follow all of the statues and all of the laws and, and all of the covenant requirements from Moses or else there will be a curse upon the land, upon you. And then silence for that long. The thing that broke the silence was these three words that began the Christmas story to a priest named Zechariah, don't be afraid. Last week, we talked about the wonder of Christmas, the wonder of God's plan, how when you really think about it and you see how everything played out, not only is it wonderful, but it's all inspiring that only God could coordinate it in such a beautiful way. We look at the wonder of how God used people that no one else would have thought that he would use. Then we find ourselves today, the sermon is titled, The Welcome. The closer and closer we get to Christmas Day, which is our day that we've selected to celebrate the birth of Christ, the closer and closer we get to this day, we unpack the layers and layers of the story. However, today I'd like to challenge and encourage you 
to get past the holiday <laughs> and find the Savior. Kelly and I, as we've been pastoring Greater Life, have had a rotation of new people through our home as we try to welcome them into the body of Christ. We love it because it's in that setting that we can truly get to know them, they can get to know us, and we truly feel now there's a relationship established, sharing a meal together, a conversation. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, we read the words of Jesus. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. Church, you need to understand that these words are from the creator of the universe. Jesus himself is saying, we can hang out if you will welcome me in. You see, the power in that equation lies with us. Because God does not force himself on anyone. He can. Make no mistake. He can do anything he wants. But God chooses to allow us to operate in free will and to welcome him in or to keep the door closed. The door is a picture of us opening up to having a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes we consider our relationships with how much effort the other person is putting in. Well, God is putting in 99.9% .9 of the effort, if not 100%. And all we have to do is just welcome Him. Today, the welcome speaks of a decision that you must make, not to just say a prayer and begin to have a relationship with Jesus. The testimonies that we just watched was not someone, neither one, Cam or Brian said, I said a prayer one day and now I'm good. I found God through relationship, through the bridge, which was a young adult ministry, is the young adult ministry here on Tuesday night. I came out of the Marines and I found myself in the church again and Knew I needed to have a real relationship with God, not just going to chapel while I was in boot camp. These layers speak of a habit, a decision that we don't make at one time, but we make every day. When you rise in the morning, you will decide each and every day, will you serve yourself and your flesh and your sin, or will you serve Jesus? I think as we walk through this today, there's some things that we need to know. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, we read, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. 
This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. The census was taken for one reason only. Maybe you can help me get there. When the government wants to count how many people there are, what do they want? Money. <laughs> it's obvious. How many kids are in that public school? That's how much money you get. How many people live in that zip code? That's how much money you get. How many people were affected by the storm or the pandemic? That's how much money you get. It's all based on that value of that person. So number one, I want you to know your value. If it was up to the government, then it would actually literally have a dollar amount beside your name. This is how much you're worth. Unfortunately, it goes way beyond government. Practically every organization and even individual on earth will first look at people from a what will I gain from this, this relationship and this encounter. What do I get out of it? What will I gain? What's the difference? God doesn't need anything from you or me. He has no need. He never has a need. He is complete within himself, and yet he still wants to have a relationship with you and me. So when God enters into a relationship with you and me, it's not what will I gain from God's perspective, but it's what will I give. God is the most generous who has ever been. This is the God of the Bible I'm talking about. Make no mistake, it's not a God that you create on a 12-step program. It's not a God by any other name. It is Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, who sent Jesus to be born in a manger, to die on a cross, and to rise three days later. That is the Lord of our lives. What will I give? Only God has that position of never needing anything from us, but He is always also positioned, pouring out mercy and blessing and hope and peace and grace and forgiveness and provision and favor. God is the giver of gifts. One of the most troubling things today in our society is the lack of respect for human life. And it happens both before birth and in the elderly. Literally, places in the world today that if you just don't like your life, you can have a doctor assist you in suicide today, legally, in some European nations. 
Your value goes beyond what your government says, goes beyond what your neighbor says, goes beyond what your teacher says, goes beyond what your parents say. Your value is intrinsic because God put it in there. He created everything with his voice. But he got involved when he created humanity with his hands and breathed life. We are all created in the image of God. Your value is immeasurable according to the economy of God. In a time and a place where people run to this self-esteem, low self-esteem, and even suicidal thoughts, when we say to ourselves that I have no value, we are making God a liar. Because he says, you're valuable enough that I sent my son. Better yet, he says, Jesus, you're valuable enough that I stepped out of heaven just for you. That's your value. And if you can grab a hold of your value, then you can also be driven to your knees in a love for God who created you and made you in his image because he leans in, knocks on the door so he can have a relationship with you. The second thing we'll wanna consider when we're talking about the welcome is to know where you come from. To know where you come from. Beginning in verse three of chapter two, to read it again, all returned to their ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Verse 5, he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. He finds himself going to Bethlehem because of who he was in his lineage. The line of King David is incredibly important because the line of King David carries with it a lot of prophecies. In modern psychology and counseling, one of the things they identify if you got issues is where did your issues come from? And more often than not, it's some type of a parental relationship or even a, a, a mentor leadership or something that you had in your life that, did, that hurt you, that did wrong by you. Something happened to you along the way that formed and fashioned your life. And I can tell you this, that what secular counseling will tell you is that here's the reason you're all messed up. Keep coming to me every week so we can talk about how messed up you are, right? And th that's okay. If it, I'm not saying don't go to counseling, but can I tell you what the word of the Lord says? That there's hope that you don't have to stay messed up. Huh. Somebody needs to get it. That you can have the mind of Christ that you're a new creation. Yeah, I know where I came from, Pastor. It's all kind of crazy. Okay. 
But where are you going? What does the word say about you? What does Jesus say about you? What does God say about you? That you are highly favored, the head and not the tail, that you can walk in blessing and peace that passes understanding, unspeakable joy. That's what you can be when you welcome him in. Now, what about this lineage? The line of David in Jeremiah 22 was prophesied that it would end. A king named Jeconiah was evil before the Lord. He was only king for three months. And Jeremiah, in the, in the book of Jeremiah 22, God said, record this man as childless. In other words, it's over. It stops with him. Now, there were other governors and leaders, but they were under the control of other kingdoms. So physically speaking, there was no more kings in Israel after Jeconiah. Follow with me. Don't get bored yet. So what happened is for 600 years, the throne of Israel was empty, completely empty. There was no leader. There was no governance. There was no guidance that was appointed by God other than the secular leaders they found themselves in, under. But in 2 Samuel, the Bible says that someone would sit on the throne of David forever. What's happening? Well, at the right time, as the scripture says, the one plan of God was set in motion to overcome the rebellion of mankind. And in Nazareth, a small little village, an angel visited a carpenter named Joseph. And he said, Joseph, son of David. What is the Bible saying? Joseph was the heir to the throne. And you follow it back in the genealogies of Scripture. The earthly father of Jesus was the physical heir to the throne of David. I think of these movies that somebody shows up in a black suburban and says, hey, you may not know this, but you're actually the heir of this obscure European country. And they're like, what? <laughs> and they go to rule some country somewhere. This is what is happening for Joseph, the son of David. Yet, he was under this curse on the physical side that needed to be rectified. There was someone else that lived in Nazareth, and her name was Mary. Mary's lineage did not go through Jeconiah. It turned to another way, another side. Now, Jesus was born of Mary. The bloodline of Mary was also connected to the line of David. Jesus could not be under the curse of sin nor under the curse of this Jeconiah character who had been cursed. So he came through the lineage of Mary. Jesus born, knowing who he was, was the king also by blood, but he was also the king of the physical throne of David. What does all that mean? 
way back when Israel was getting started. They told God, we want a king. God says, you don't need a king. Kings will be bad sometimes. They said, we don't care. We want to be like everybody else. Give us a king. So he did. And what happened? Well, kings were bad sometimes. (laughs) God's purpose was that God would be the king. Theocracy, it's called. When Jesus was born into the line of David, it was not to establish a throne in the physical, but it was to reestablish the throne in the spiritual. And the king of Israel, forever in the line of David, is Jesus. Completely out from under the curse. So in a full circle kind of way, the one plan of God reestablished the rightful ruler of his people. What does that have to do with me and you? It doesn't matter where you come from. While I think it's important that you recognize it, you need to understand that your past and your present may be all kind of messed up because of where you come from, but your future can be redeemed and out from under the curse because that's the way that God can do it. Amen? All of these details and years and curses and scriptures and all of these things flow to one truth for me and you today, that no matter where I came from, God can redeem my future by his power. At this time, we're going to have a song that Eric's going to play, and I want you just to pay attention to the words. I want you just to kind of sit quietly. Don't sing along. Just meditate on these words. Because when we know and accept who Jesus is, then we can truly walk in faithfulness of the life that God has always purposed us to walk in. Why did Jesus come to be born in a manger? Why did he have to come? Why did it have to happen the way it happened? Reflect on these words, and I'll be back to wrap things up.
third thing I'd like for you to understand is we've got to know who he is. We've got to know who Jesus is. The worship team is going to be coming in just a moment. We're going to open the altars as we've done the past couple of weeks to give you opportunity to pray with someone. Verse 6 and 7 of chapter 2 of Luke says, While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son, wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Many translations say there was no room for, him, for them. No one welcomed them. We've got to know who he is so we can welcome him. You'd understand this illustration that you get a knock on your door and in our culture, we don't like knocks on our door. Used to be, people would get excited to have a knock on their door because they have a guest that they can welcome in. Now, it's a, who is who is this? Don't they know I'm just sitting here doing nothing and they're coming over? At our house, there's people that just walk in. If you live there, you can just walk in. There's other people that will open the door and knock as they're coming in. We're here. And then there's others that we've got this deadbolt with a code that we're sitting on the couch and we hear beep, 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 beep. And we're all there. Well, I guess somebody's coming in. Because at some point with these people, we've made them know you're welcome here. You're welcome here. We open the door at some point to welcome them. We're talking about a spiritual matter today. And it's a spiritual decision to give Jesus the open door, not one time, not on a Sunday morning, but every day that you live. Is he welcome? To know who he is is simply this. Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as ruler, rulers, thrones, kingdoms, authorities of the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. This is the baby in a manger, friends. He existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Try to grasp this for just a moment. 
For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, a baby in a manger. He, Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah, made peace with everything in heaven and on earth through the cross. Would you stand? That's who Jesus is. The word, the light, the door, the gate, the healer, the victor. The whole of creation stands on edge waiting to see what he'll do next. The reason why it's 2022 is because it's 2022 years since Jesus came and was born in a manger. So if you have any question who's really in charge, just let that one fact alone dispel that. As hard as humanity has been working to erase Jesus, when they write the dates on those documents, about taking prayer out of schools, about legalizing the killing of babies, about making marriage a a mockery of what God intended to be. When they write the dates on those documents, it hinges on the birth of Christ. Friends, welcome him in. The prayer team's gonna come and we're gonna sing, we're gonna worship, then we're gonna be done. But if you have not welcomed Jesus in, that's the first and foremost thing. Come and pray with someone when the music starts. If you'd like to pray for healing in your body or to make a fresh commitment unto the Lord, come and pray with someone. If you've got a loved one and you need somebody to stand with you in faith, that's why we're here to see God do great and mighty things. Lord, right now and in this moment, I pray in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that miracles would work in this house, that you would move upon these people, that they would come hungry, that they would come and seek you, that they would welcome you in to change them from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Now come to the altar.
like to uh, I'd like to take a moment and extend the invitation to a very specific thing. If you feel you're called into ministry, that the Lord's been dealing with your heart, stirring it, and right when I said that, something happened in your spirit. Oh, <laughs> that's me. If that's you, you need to be up here and remember, in December of 2022, I went and prayed a prayer of faith and agreed with someone that God was going to start a plan, <laughs> a one plan of beauty and miracles that was going to set you up to do greater things for the sake of His kingdom. If you feel called, I didn't say if you're ready. I didn't say you're prepared. I didn't say you're trained. I didn't say you're credentialed. I said if you feel called to ministry, then you need to come now. We're going to sing one more time. Come on. Come now. Mike, I need help. Kelly, I need help. Moises, I need help. Hallelujah. Come on, keep praying, keep praying. Let me tell you a testimony. We're going to go back to Isn't He Wonderful? When we pray for things here at the altar, when I pray with someone, I try to, I try to promise the Lord that when you, pray, when you meet this need, when you work this miracle, when you do this thing that we're asking you to do, God, we promise to say thank you. We promise to give you glory. 
A few weeks ago, I stood up here and I told you about my ACL and all this stuff. Well, I had a meeting with my surgeon this past week on Monday. And we went in there basically trying to figure out how many Sundays I had to miss. And I told the surgeon, I think in Sundays, how many Sundays do I have to miss? And he started to lay out, listen, it's a six to eight month type of thing, but, but let me talk to you about it first. He said, I'm looking at it and he had the little drawing up there. And he said, I'm considering what's going on. And he had already examined me and I'd already told him that I hadn't had any pain. And he said, you don't need to schedule surgery. I don't think you're gonna need surgery at all. And here's the good part. As I'm sitting here just relieved. He says, can I pray for you? He works at Novant too. So we're sitting in this office and I thought I was expecting this, you know, Presbyterian Methodist type prayer, you know, help him Lord. May, his, may his, the Lord's favor be upon you, bless you and keep you, all of that. He grabbed a hold of my shoulder and he went to work and he was anointed by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Ghost broke into that doctor's office. Kelly's in the room crying and I'm just... No pain, no pain, no pain. Because God is a healer today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, isn't he wonderful? Come on, sing it one more time. and embolden us to be messengers of the gospel, to be used in a mighty way. God, I get so excited 
about the people that came up here to receive prayer. But Lord, that layer of call to ministry, I'm so excited to see those folks be used in a greater way as they walk in that call. The miracles are gonna start rolling in. Thank you, Jesus. Make us ready. Make us ready as a church, as a people. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you came up here and you were called to ministry, I wanna wanna plant a seed in your life for just a moment. Hear me in this. You can work all day and all night and nothing will happen for you. But God, He is sovereign and He will bless you beyond your experience and beyond your expertise, beyond your gift. So be comfortable being uncomfortable and allowing God to stretch you and make you ready for what's to come. Amen? He will, he will accomplish His plan and won't anything stop Him. And all you have to do is to say yes to the next step. Amen? Amen. I need to make you aware of a couple things and then we're going to sing you out. God bless you. But Christmas Eve is December 24th. That's Christmas Eve. 6 p.m. Doors are going to be open early. So come in, be watching our social media, our emails, texts, and all that. We'll send you details out. But please come early and get a seat. It's going to be an awesome time. It's family service, so kids will be in here with us. It's going to be a great, great time of worship. Uh, we have child care for zero to four or zero to five uh, so because there's candles involved. And we thought that was a wise decision. Um, and finally, on Christmas morning, we'll have a video available for you to watch at the comfort of your home and your Christmas activities from me and from Pastor Hannah. You know what? New Year's Day, we have an 11 o'clock only service and we'll be sending some of that out. And it's going to be an awesome time as we kick off the new year. But listen, I can't hardly wait to see what God does in 23. My goodness, he blew me away in 22. Are you ready to see what God's going to do next? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Oh, wait. If you have a need, if you're in here today and you either don't have a Christmas tree at all or yours is jacked up, doesn't work, a seven and a half foot Christmas tree, brand new in a box, walked into the church today. If you need it, we want you to have it because God, you need it. There we go. I want at the end of service, Walker, I want you guys to go to this door over here and the person that's donating it is going to put it in your hands and you're going to be blessed by that seven and a half foot Christmas tree. Isn't God good? You got a tree for Christmas, girl. God bless you. Have a great day.